love you today because my God and my Savior has touched me. I went through everything. Difficult time of my life and my family. Um, everything went great. My doctor, my oncologist was like, go live a great life now. Everything's great. <laughs> a couple months later, um, we found out that it had metastasized to my bone. And um, a shock. <laughs> Lord knows it was a devastating shock but God but God he's never left me he's never forsaken me so about 20 months almost two years went by and through all this I, I had to start taking injections again and I had to start taking medicine and I go every three months for scans cat scan bone scans every three months I always told my husband, we interrupt this life right now for these 90-day scans. But God, <laughs> then July 5th of this year, um, I had to have my normal scans. And something showed up that my husband and I like were, eh. So um, my oncologist told us that they found four lesions in my liver. Not something you want to hear um, ever, but uh, we were like, okay. So he's like, let's go get a PET scan. It's a different kind of a scan that confirms yes or no, if it really is truly cancer. Came back a couple weeks later, it's truly cancer. Cancer had spread to my liver. <laughs> um, but God, I'll never forget, but God. So... That was a deep, dark time of my life. Probably three, four weeks of my life, I, I couldn't look up. I couldn't see where this was going. I had no idea. But God, he knew. And I had to go to my surgeon and talk to her about some stuff, and she wanted me to get a cat scan again and to confirm some other stuff or whatever and um, so a few weeks later in August they said you're going for another cat scan and of your whole body area so I'm like okay and the thing that they were looking for there was no problem and then I go visit my oncologist to for sure hear the results and I said can you please just go over it all? Well, it says here, they, they don't see the lesions in the liver anymore. Yeah. 
soul because only God could do that. Because even my doctor said, my husband's with me. My husband doesn't come to church with me. He's going to. Because he has seen every step of what God has brought me through. So as we're sitting there and he said, they don't see him anymore. And the new medicine's only been in you for a couple of weeks. There's no way the medicine has worked this fast. Nope. And I just looked at my husband and I'm just smiling because I know, but God, only God, the way maker, the miracle worker, my savior, my king, my God almighty, the peace. So whatever God has you going through right now, he's there. I know, I know, because I felt like I, I thought I was lost, but he never left me. And if you need any kind of prayer, we're here. I had women pray over me one Sunday. I came in to church that day, and this was going to be my last Sunday. I knew I was done. <laughs> Lo and behold, Pastor preached on, don't quit. <laughs> Again, but God <laughs> timed that sermon for me, maybe others, but I know it was for me. Because that Sunday, I had a group of women surround me in a circle. They prayed. They prayed for me. They prayed with me. They prayed me through it. They prayed for that sickness to come out of my body. They prayed over me. And I know at that moment, God reached down his hand and touched me. Something happened and now I know he touched me.
Come on, give Jesus some praise. He's still a healing God, is he not? <laughs> what an incredible testimony. God's a healer. How many can testify that God has touched you in some form or fashion and healed your body? Anyone? Look at all the hands. Why don't you look around? Hold it up. If God's healed you of something somewhere along the way, look at this. God's a healing God. Amen? Ain't God good? Come on, let's give him one more hand clap of praise. Praise God. You can be seated. What a credible testimony, Tanya. God's going to use your testimony to touch a lot of lives. Praise God. Amen. Speaking of next week, um, one of my favorite pastors, one of my favorite speakers in all the world will be here. He is a prince of preacher, Pastor Mark Williams. Um, he dedicated Caitlin way back years ago. We got, he sent us out in the ministry. I, I'll give the whole pedigree of how he, God used him to touch my life, but it's pretty amazing. And him and his lovely wife, sister Sandra Kay will be here with us, and uh, you're going to love them. They are he is a prince of preachers. When I tell you a prince of preachers, I mean that. Just a wonderful man of God, integrity and character, and you're going to love him. Amen? I also want to tell you, at the end of the month, we have something exciting to tell you. Uh, at the end of the month, which would be October the 30th. Everybody say October 30th. October 30th. October 30th. I'm going to uh, have a, a little sermonette that I'm going to put out at 1030 that morning. And then at night, in lieu of us worshiping on our own, we're going to come here at 6 o'clock, and we're going to have a night of worship with Church on Fire out in the parking lot. They're going to have bonfires. They're going to have like a fall festival-type atmosphere. It's going to be out in the parking lot. There's going to be hot apple cider, hot cocoa. They've invited us, and myself and the elders are excited to, to join with them. And we're just going to come, and we're going to worship together. Amen? Doesn't that sound like that's going to be awesome? It is going to be a great time, and I can't wait. So you'll get a double dose that day at 1030. You can just pull up our Facebook or our YouTube page, and you'll see my smiling face. God's going to have a, a word for you spoken into your life. That night, we're going to come out, and we're going to, we're, that day, we're going to come out and help them set up. this. We've been here now over two years, and they have given, they have helped, they have done anything, basically, that we asked. And uh, they contacted us after we uh, agreed that we would, you know, come and, and be a part. And they said, hey, would you, could we, could we uh, use your equipment that you have since you're portable outside? Instead of taking all of our stuff outside, we said, of course we can. So we're going to come out early and we're going to help them set up. And uh, we're just going to join together. Won't that be great? Two churches worshiping together here in the community. Open air, let the whole town hear praise and worship to God. Isn't that great? Can we give God praise for that? I love it. So I'm excited about that. Amen. That'll be on October 30th. I think we've got some information that we'll hand out to you at the end of service. Well, I've got a word for you today. Poke your neighbor and say, Pastor's got a word. Now, I don't know who this is going to be for, but I'm telling you, I've got a word. It's the last message in this series, How to Win Within in Your Heart. And um, I, uh, God, God's going to speak to us today, and I'm very excited about what he's given me. I was going to preach on strife, 
as my last message, strife in your life, strife in your home, in your job, how to get it out. But the Lord last Saturday or Sunday morning, I can't remember which, was very clear to me that this is the direction he wanted this to go. And so having said that, I'd like for you, if you will, one more time to stand for the reading of God's word. And the subject title is, It's Time to Say Goodbye. Now, that is not me saying that to you. This is, this is something that God is wanting each of us to say. And I want you to buckle up because God's going to challenge us today. Everybody say, it's time to say goodbye. Here's the passage God gave me uh, to preach from last weekend. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19 through 21. I'm going to be reading in the NIV version. And it's going to be on the LED screens. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. Poke your neighbor and say goodbye. And he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? In other words, hey, this is between you and God. I've just, I've just laid out what God wants, but you, it's up to you what you do. And I'll flesh all this out in the message So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Father, I'm so thankful for your presence that is here. The same healing presence of God that has healed and touched Tanya is here to touch us now. Father, I pray you anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. God, as you have placed this in my heart very clearly last weekend and all week long, I pray, God, you speak to us the precious word of the Lord now. In Christ's name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have, and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only. Deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears. Anoint my heart. Anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to hear the word of the Lord. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five somebody as you're sitting here and say, it's time to say goodbye. Come on, high five somebody else and say, it's time to say goodbye. There comes a time when a person must make a decision as to whether or not they're in or out. Remember right before I went to Lee University, I was kind of in church and out. And I remember a minister looked at me and he said, you know, he said, you're like a kid splashing around in the shallow end of the riverbank. And you enjoy the river of God. You splash around a little bit, but you won't go very deep because you want to be able to control your own destiny. And you want to be able to back to the bank. And so you're in and you're out. And you go splash around a little bit in the things of God, and then you go back to the bank. He said, when are you going to finally surrender your life to God and just go in that river all the way? God wants to do something with your life, young man. God's ready for you to go in over your head. I'll never forget that. And God brought that back to me 
Because it's hard to say goodbye to the old life. It's hard to say goodbye to things that we think we can't live without. It's hard to say goodbye to wanting to control our own destiny. It's hard to say goodbye to our own will and our own desires and our own wants. Like the boys to men's song, it's so hard to say goodbye. If you're going to win within, you're going to have to say goodbye to this old life. Everybody say goodbye. And that leads me to point number one, and that is this. Point number one is you are called by God. I want you to say that to your neighbor. Poke them and say, you are called by God. Now, what do I mean by that? Is everyone to quit their job tomorrow and go into full-time ministry? No. It's not exactly at all what I'm saying. But I am telling you that you and I and every person that calls their name by the name of Jesus Christ is called by God. I want you to notice some things in this passage that stand out to me. Elisha was faithfully serving in the natural realm. In the natural, physical realm of just the day-to-day working in agriculture, working in farming. He was active when God tapped him on the shoulder. I find that if you want to hear God speak to you about the things he has in store for you, get active in life and what he's called you to do and in your responsibilities. God calls those that are active in this life. All through the Bible, you read of people that are taking care of their responsibilities. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And God taps them on the shoulder and says, hey, I want you to do this. Hey, I want you to serve in this area of the local body. Hey, I want you to start this ministry. Hey, I want you to join this ministry. I want you to be a part of this. I want you to witness at work. And the list could go on and on and on. But God never looks for someone sitting on the sidelines saying, God, use me. He always picks people from the Old Testament to the New that are busy doing something of what they're supposed to be doing in life. Can I get a good amen? For a quick example, David was tending the sheep when God tapped him and said, I called you to be king. Moses was taking care of the sheep when God spoke to him out of a burning bush and said, I need you to rescue a nation out of Egypt. And the list could go on and on. People like Gideon, fleshing wheat and and threshing wheat and taking care of him and his family. And God said, hey, mighty warrior, I've got a job for you to do. Due to his servant-like attitude... God sent the man of God, Elijah, to touch Elisha and say, I've got a special call for you. It was an unexpected and a surprising call. And God's call for your life may happen to you unexpectedly. It may be very surprising to you. You may have your eyes going one way. That's what happened with Holly and I. In my senior year in college, my eyes were set one direction. I was going to run Coca-Cola one day. I was going to be the CEO, I was going to this, and I was going to that. And I was busy taking 18 credits at Lee University. Well, I was working nights, at the night shift at security at Lee. We had a baby in the house. I mean, we were doing everything you can possibly do. And one day, God tapped on my shoulder and he said, no. He said, your eyes are going the wrong way. I want you to go in youth ministry. And it shocked the daylights out of me. I thought, What? <laughs> I'd only ever taught one lesson my whole life, ever. And it was horrible. (laughs) 
And God said, you called me, what? You got the right guy here, and I could go on about that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on just to tell you this wasn't something I was endeavoring to do. It wasn't something that I thought, man, I always want to be a preacher. As a matter of fact, I thought it was hysterical. At our wedding shower, when people played a game and said, oh, they're going to be pastoring a church with four, three or four kids 10 years from now. It turned out they were right, but I laughed at the time. And I said, I'll never be a preacher. <laughs> and when I got done laughing, Holly hit her hand on the table and said, I'll never be a preacher's wife. <laughs> well, the joke was on us, right? Notice where Elijah found him. He wasn't in the school of prophets. Rather, he was in the field. He was working. He was serving. He was laboring in the marketplace. He wasn't reading. He wasn't praying. He wasn't sacrificing. Rather, he was plowing. He was working hard in the marketplace, in the business field. I want to tell you, you can be working full-time in the marketplace, and God will call you to witness for him. You can be working full-time in the business realm, in the marketplace, in your field of expertise, wherever it is that you earn an income from. And God will say, hey, I need you to serve in this area of the church. There are people that are going to come to Bridge of Hope Church that I've chosen you to reach. See, we're far too wrapped up in our own selfishness. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, I'm not interested in that. When God is saying it's not about you, it has got everything to do with, I am sending people that I've uniquely made you and created you and given you gifts to touch, and I need you there to touch them when they walk through the doors. Can I get a good amen to that? Poke your neighbor and say, it's amen or oh me today. <laughs> You can be working full-time in your place of wherever it is that you earn an income. And God will say, okay, that's great. But where, where will you use your gifts? Will you use your talents and your abilities and your resources for my kingdom? Will you invite people in the workplace to church? Wherever it is you go and whoever you rub shoulders with. And I understand that many of you are retired, okay? Will you knock on the door of the neighbor and say, hey, won't you come to church with me? Would you open your home up and invite the whole street to your house for a Tuesday night Bible study at your house? What is God tapping you on the shoulder for? See, Elijah passed the mantle to him. What are you doing in the marketplace? What are you doing for the Lord in your church? Do you just show up, enjoy the worship, take up the word and go home? Do you do anything for the kingdom of God? How are you using your gifts, talents, abilities, and resources that you have, that God has blessed you with, that you and I will be held accountable for, for the Lord? So what I find is in the church today is there's a lot of excuses and not a lot of doing. What are we really doing for the Lord? Are we really committed? When the prophet Pass his mantle or his cloak on Elijah. Elisha, excuse me. It was a sign of the prophet's vocation. What he was saying was, hey, you've, you've been called to the prophet's office. You've been called to something more than what you're doing right now. This was a sign also of adoption of a father-son relationship, a father figure. When Elisha accepted this, he was basically accepting Elijah as the father figure and the mentor 
who would teach him the ropes, so to speak, and pour who he was into him so he could go and carry the torch after him. He was a wealthy man, Elisha was. You say, well, you know, he's back there with the yoke of oxen. He didn't have two pennies to rub together, so no wonder he accepted the call. That's not the truth at all. Elisha was actually a very wealthy man. Number one, very few people in that time frame had yoke of oxen. Number two, the owner of the oxen usually plowed with the last pair of oxen. In this case, there were 12 yoke of oxen. A yoke of oxen was two that were yoked together by a wooden yoke. So that they couldn't go their own way. They had to work together. So he's got 24 oxen and he's in the back with them. And he's plowing and he's working. He was a very wealthy man. In addition, if those are not your yoke of oxen and that's not your business, you don't take the plowing instruments, burn them with fire, cook the oxen over that and feed everybody a good meal and say, okay, say la vie, see you later. In doing so, I want you to see something here. When God tapped on Elisha's shoulder, Elisha said, I'm going to burn every possibility of ever going back. When Elisha answered the call of God on his life, he sacrificed his business, he sacrificed his income. He said, God, I'm all in. I'm saying goodbye. If this don't work out, God, I got nothing to go back to because I burnt my business and I ate it. <laughs> do, you, do you understand? That would be like if you had a business just selling the whole thing, giving all the money away, saying, I got nowhere else to turn now. The, I want you to feel the gravity of this. This was just not a casual, yeah, okay, I'll show up 20 minutes early and greet people at the door once a month. This was a man who was very wealthy who burned his business to the ground, ate the oxen, had a big meal, and walked away from it all. This is a guy that was all in. He was willing to walk away from what he knew. Think about what he was walking, willing to walk away from. He was willing to walk away from everything he ever knew. We move around in the United States. Back then, you grew up where you grew up is where you were. That was it. That was his place. That was his country. He knew where every little ditch was. He knew where every little cave was. He knew where everything was. He knew the terrain. And yet, now he's going to take off and follow this guy who he does not know. And walk away from it all. He walked away from his identity. His identity was Elisha the farmer. Hey, Elisha. What are we going to do now, man? You, you make my green, you, you, you farming, man. Without you, we ain't got no corn and green beans, man. What are we going to do? He walked away from his comfort zone, what he knew, what he was comfortable with. He walked away from his family. He walked away from his pride. Do you, you understand? He walked away from being the business owner of this business and employing people and putting them to work. He walked away from all that being the guy in charge to going and being the servant to Elijah. He went from being the mag daddy man in his neighborhood to saying, you know what? I'm going to serve the man of God. Let me show you what he did. You say, boy, I want to I call a God. Well, look what, look what Elisha did. Check out the scripture, if you will. 
but Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord there that we may inquire of the Lord by him? This is 2 Kings 3.11. And one of the king Israel's servants answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here. Watch this. Who used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. He went from being the business owner to being the man that used to say, hey, you go here, you do this. Hey, get my oxen fed. Put them in the stalls at night. You do this, you do that. People are coming to me for a paycheck to watch this. Pouring water on the man of God's hands when he was ready to eat. That was his job. Hey, Elisha, I got a job for you. When Elijah's ready to eat, he needs his hands washed. Get you a pitcher of water and wash his hands for him. He didn't walk away from everything he ever knew, including his pride. The point is, Elisha was all in. Elisha said goodbye to his way. Elisha said goodbye to his will. Elisha said goodbye to his desires, what he thought was right. And he went all in for God's. God is probably not asking you to quit your job and go full-time in the ministry. In fact, if you leave here today and you say, man, I think I'm going to just give it all up and go in the ministry, please come talk to me first, amen? And we'll pray you through about that. We'll make sure God's really in this. But I'll tell you what he is asking each and every one of us without a shadow of a doubt. He is asking us to be all in. He is asking you to say goodbye to your wishes. Goodbye to your desires. Goodbye to your will. Goodbye to what you want. Goodbye to where you may want to go to church. And stay and do where God's called you to do. There's some under the sound of my voice the Lord revealed to me today. That you are here in body some of the time. But you're messing around with this church and that church and that church and that church. And your heart's not anywhere. And God is saying, today is the day to make up your mind. Where are you going to go to church and what body are you going to align yourself with? Elisha had to align himself with Elijah and stick with him. God is about to bring a revival to our church. Tuesday morning when I was thanking God for what he did in Tanya's life, the Lord spoke to me and said, there's a healing revival coming here. But there are people that you got one toe in and one out. And I don't mean that you're visiting another church on Sunday morning because you just want to worship there and also come here. I'm talking about people, you're out there and you're trying to figure it all out. Am I going here? Am I going there? I think it's time that we fast and pray and find out where we're yoking ourselves. God is calling this body to be all in because he has a work for us. It's time to say goodbye. Is it okay if I just preach to you what God has put on me? When God called me, he was asking me and Holly to forego what we wanted, our dreams, to our own thing, to go all in for his ministry and his kingdom. Are you willing to go all in? Are you willing to say goodbye? If you're going to win within, you've got to go all in. I'm not saying, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't go enjoy yourself at a 1030 service somewhere and come here at 3. It's one thing to do that. It's another to go around to four or five churches and try to figure out, okay, God, where am I going to really plant? Let me wait to see where Bridge of Hope winds up and then maybe I'll really join in. God is saying, hey, we need some people in this house that are all in. Somebody say amen. And before you ask, nobody's told me nothing other than the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Point number two is this. You are called for these times. Everybody say these times. 
It's much different times than now. Listen, if T.D. Jakes were to say, hey, I'm going to pass my mantle, boy, people would go running. If Robert Moore said, I'm going to pass my mantle, people go running. Me, 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 me. If Billy Graham, before he died, said, I'm going to pass my mantle, boy, they'd go running. I want it, I want it, I want it. But it was some of the most difficult times when Elisha was having to make this decision. You've got to understand that when Elijah put the yoke on him and said, hey, are you going to follow what God is calling you to do? This was a time when Jezebel and her gurus were running the deal. As a matter of fact, this was a time when Jezebel had killed almost all the prophets and there was only just two groups of 50 hiding out in caves. This was a time when a person being called to the prophetic office better know they were because their life was at stake. It was a disappointing time for prophets to set out in. Not just anybody would be fond of Elijah's mantle. We look at it and we glamorize it today. Oh, Elijah's mantle. Listen, this was the deal. <laughs> when Elijah said, hey, you're the next man up, Ooh, I don't know if I want that. You have to understand this was your life, your head was on the chopping block. Not everyone was willing to wear his mantle and not everyone was willing to walk in his anointing. He needed to count the cost before he jumped in. And I want to tell you, I'm not going to give up here and, 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 and make it all sound so rosy. These are tough times that we live in. You could be ostracized. You could be persecuted for your stance for Christ. Recently, I've read three different professions. A fireman in California is filing suit right now with the legal team that, you, that we've seen before, the Christian legal team. They fired him because he was inviting people to his church Bible study while he was on work as a fireman. The state of California and the city said, we don't like it. We're firing you. They were bold enough to say, and we're firing you because of your Christian faith. A postal worker not too long ago was fired for his stance for Christ. A football coach was fired and thrown off the team because he was kneeling in prayer afterwards at his own time. Listen, some are losing their lives in other countries. God knows and understands the time in which we live in. And he knows that he's calling us to go all in for such a time as this. What God is saying is, do I have some people that will look at the circumstances, the times, all the turbulency, all the stuff, and I'm telling you it's going to get harder on the church and say, will you still go all in for my kingdom? Esther 4.14, we find that when Mordecai was talking to Esther, he said, for if you remain completely silent at this time, and I feel like that is an absolute statement for you and I, if we choose to remain silent at a time like this, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. And the same for our world. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom. Watch this. For such a time as this. Holly and I remain committed to doing God's work during these times. We remain committed to the truth of the gospel. Even if it's not popular. We remain committed to declare the word of the Lord. If others won't. We remain committed to the call of God during these times. And I don't care if nobody else will preach the truth of the word. I'm going to preach the truth of the word. I remain committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to see souls saved and to see lives delivered. Somebody say amen. Will you answer the call in these times? If you're going to win within, you've got to answer yes to God's call during these times. And that leads me to point number three, and that is simply this. Will you answer the call? 
Elisha answered the call of God in his life. Let me go and kiss my father goodbye. You know what Elisha was saying? Nothing is going to stand in my way of what God has called me to do. Not my family, not my preferences, not my comfort, not my convenience, nothing. I'm going to serve my God in whatever area he's called me to, and I'm going to give it all I got. I'm not just going to show up when it's time to greet at a door 15 minutes early and say, hey, glad you're here. I am sending people to heaven. I'm going to pray all week long, and I'm going to fast that when I smile at them, their heart melts for the glory of God. It's not about getting up here with a microphone in your hand or a pair of drumsticks in your hand and say, well, let me just do my gig. Uh Uh-uh. It's about praying all week and saying, God, use me and anoint me to break every yoke of bondage so that souls can be saved, so that prodigal sons and daughters can come home, so that we can see a revival. We're so focused in the church today on what we can get out of church. When was the last time we fasted and prayed all week and said, God, how can I be used of you? I think God's cry today with us is to say, hey, are you going to go all in? Are you going to yoke up? It cost Elisha everything. He left his business. He left his family. He left his home, his friends, for the price of following and answering the call of God. For you might be that you've got to leave some free time behind. Maybe come to church more than just once a month or every other month. Maybe serving in a ministry of the church regularly. Giving tithes and offerings regularly and not just occasional tip to God. Elijah said, go back. He said, Elijah said, I got to go back and say goodbye. Elijah said, go back. What have I got to do to you? In other words, what he said was, hey, this is your decision and yours alone, Elisha. This is between you and God. I'm out. I did what God told me to do. God told me to tap you on the shoulder and say, he's got a work for you to do. You deal with that on your own. I'm, I'm out. You catch up with me later. No one can make your decision for you when it comes to service in the kingdom of God. Leaders and pastors and staff can offer you a position or a task, but we've got to offer up ourselves in service. That's why Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you. Everybody say urge. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present in other words, is to give as a present your bodies, you, as a living and holy sacrifice. We are that sacrifice. Acceptable to God, which is, watch this, your spiritual service of worship. When we go all in with God and we sell out and we say goodbye to that former stuff, we are saying, God, I'm giving you the highest form of worship. Not worship with my song only and not with my pocketbook only, but me. Here I am. There's no greater thing I can give Holly than me. There's no greater thing you can give your spouse than you. There's no greater thing we can give God than ourselves. 
And do not be conformed to this world. Don't start acting like the world and take the world's ways. But be transformed. That is metamorpho. Be transformed like the caterpillar to the butterfly by the renewing or the restoration, like a restoring a piece of furniture of your mind. Watch this. So that you may prove. What the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Someone shout amen. Elijah was saying, Elisha, it is your choice whether you choose to follow me or not. Will you say I'm going all in? I, I feel such an urgency. God arrested and changed my whole message last weekend to say, will you say goodbye to your old life? Will you go all in for God? When God called us, we answered the call and went to a little town in Dublin, Virginia, 25 years ago for our first ministry post. We left our families. We left everything comfortable to us. I, I went, listen, I, I walked in the door and I was in charge of about 15 kids who were looking at me, asking me what they wanted to do. And I had only ever taught one lesson in my life. What are we going to do? I'm looking around for the answer. I don't know. Well, it's a funny thing about youth nights. They were on Wednesday nights, and it's a real funny thing about it because Wednesdays come every seven days. And I better figure out how to write a sermon very quickly. I better figure out how to run a youth service very quickly. You're on the job. Basically, basically, you were hired on a Saturday, brought in on a Sunday. Hey, praise God. Everybody show up Wednesday night. Here he's going to be at it. I thought, you talk about praying in a hurry and fasting. Oh, God, there's some kids coming and some people coming. And I don't know nothing from nothing. you got to help me. Somebody say amen. amen. Listen, when you go all in, you just got to go for it. If you're going to win within, you have to say yes to what Jesus is calling you to. And that leads me to the last point, and I've been preaching it the whole time, and that is this. Will you say goodbye to your old life? Elijah said goodbye to his old life. He took that yoke of oxen, probably the one he was working with. He, he took, listen, he, he disassembled his business, set a big bonfire cooked the oxen, brought all the servants over and said, let's have a big meal. They all ate, had a good time. He kissed his mom and dad, said, see ya. He basically sacrificed his old life. He burned his bridge back to the old ways. There was no turning back. Elisha walked into the future with no thoughts of returning to the past. He meant business for God. He burnt his past behind him. And there's some in here under the sound of my voice. You're wanting to take a step with God, but boy, that old past just keeps luring you back in. And God is saying there's nothing but dead, raunchy death and destruction to go back to. There's only one answer. Full steam ahead with God. Are you... Will you walk into your future with Jesus today without any thoughts of continuing your former life? Paul said it in Philippians 3, 13 and 14 this way. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. In other words, the prize. But one thing I do. Watch this. Paul said it, man. This is the way to do it. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Paul said, I'm all in. I'm never going back. 
If I've got to be beaten with rods, if I've got to be whipped with a cat of nine tails, stoned and left for dead and troubles all my life, which Paul did, he said, I'm never, ever going back. He said, I press on. I pursue with everything I got. I will push little old ladies out of the way if I have to. For the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, if Paul was going after Jesus and you're elderly and you have a walk or something, you better get out of his way. He will push you over to get to Christ. As a matter of fact, in Philippians, he said, all the things that I thought were something, I was somebody. He said, it's a big pile of dung compared to gaining Jesus Christ. Woo! The point of no return is the point beyond which one must continue on their current course of action because turning back is physically impossible, prohibitively expensive or dangerous. It is also used when the distance or effort required to get back would be greater than the remainder of the journey or task as yet undertaken. A particular irreversible action, setting off an explosion or signing a contract can be a point of no return. But the point of no return can also be a calculated point during a continuous action. In other words, you may be continuously serving God, but maybe you've gotten to a place now where you're comfortable, you're settled, and God has been tapping on your shoulder, and God says, listen, today is a day of point of no return. God is calling our body today to say, this is a place... Where we draw a line and say, I will remember this day, October 9th, 2022, when I went to the point of no return and refused to look back. Crossing the Rubicon is a metaphor for deliberately proceeding past the point of no return. It is a metaphor that originate when Julius Caesar crossed the Rubicon River was a little tiny river in northern Italy, which was against Roman law. It meant if you crossed the Rubicon with soldiers, it meant war. He deliberately did it on January 10th, 49 B.C. He said, I'm crossing the Rubicon, Rome, and I'm coming after you. And he did, and he succeeded. Therefore, the term crossing the Rubicon is used as a synonym with the point of no return. What I believe God is saying today is, and what he put deeply on my heart last weekend and all week is, are you willing to cross your Rubicon? He left, Elisha did, plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen in the field to sowing the word of God to the 12 tribes of Israel. Moses and David left the sheep to go lead their nation. The apostles left fishing to go catch men. What will you leave behind to serve God in his kingdom? Hours of television? Your own comfort and ideals. Your own will and way. Look, if you're going to win within, you will have to go to the point of no return. You will have to cross your Rubicon. And I don't know what that is. All I can do is generalize today. Only you know what your Rubicon is. Maybe God's been pleading with you to get involved in this ministry or develop that relationship. And you just, ah, ah. I'm tired. I don't want to do it. 
What would your life be like if you crossed your Rubicon? What would your family be like if you went to the point of no return? What would our church be like if we all said we're all in? What would God do through you if you said goodbye to your former things of what you want? See, God is looking for those who have said goodbye to their inconsistent commitment to God. Let me say that again. God is looking for those who have said goodbye to their inconsistent commitment to God. God is wanting you to say goodbye today to your inconsistent church attendance. To inconsistent small group participation. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. He's wanting you to say goodbye to your inconsistent service to the Lord. You want me to come 30 minutes early? He wants you to say goodbye to your inconsistent giving. You give tithes and offerings one week and then God doesn't get a penny for the next six weeks. And before you look at me, I don't have a clue who pays tithes or gives what in this church. I deliberately have it that way. Dale knows, don't ever tell me what anybody gives. I have no idea if you're the greatest giver in here or you don't give two pennies. That way I can treat you all the same. And that way when I come to a subject like this, with a clear heart, I can say, hey, you know what? Those tithes, they belong to God. And when you steal from God, you're not all in. I better go on. It's getting deep in here. God is looking for a surrendered people who will say goodbye to their will. Who will get down like Jesus did and say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. Who will get and take Jesus' word to heart that says, I will deny myself, take up my cross, and follow Jesus. Who, like Paul said, I will die daily. Somebody say amen. Standing on a crossroads, you now have a choice to make. Do I go back now or never go back? As long as you keep the door open, you will never fully be committed with your journey with God. If you leave yourself an exit door, folks, you will never make your mind up to do what God has called you to do. There comes a time in your life where you have to shut the door, throw away the key, and give up the option of ever turning back. Do you, do, you, do you think it's been easy to be 10 years away from all my family? Do you think it's easy when one of my family members has a birthday party and everybody else is able to go and I have to call 12 hours away and just talk on the phone? Do you think it's easy on Easter Sunday when all of you get together with your families and have a nice meal and enjoy it and we go home by ourselves? Do you think that stuff's easy? This is not pity me. I'm telling you from experience, I know what it is to burn the bridge. I know what it is to tell family members, even recently, I'm not ever going back until God says you're done in Cincinnati. I'm not ever going and entertaining another church. If you've been hoping, pastor will leave and we'll get somebody else in here to find us a building, then you better take it up with him. Because I've told Dale, Dale, if it's just me and you turning the lights out, baby, we're going to be the ones turning them out. I'm all in. I'm not going anywhere. No, it hasn't been easy. 
No, it's not easy when Mother's Day comes around and everyone here pretty much is with your mother or with family members and we have to call our moms on the phone. That stuff's not easy. But I burnt my bridge and I said, God, I'm all in on what you want me to do. And until you speak otherwise, I'm not doing it. If you're going to go all in with God, you've got to make up your mind today to say goodbye and go to the point of no return. Watch what happens in closing when you go all in and say goodbye to your former life. 2 Kings 2.9, watch this. When they crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Elisha's been serving him this whole time. Elijah's been telling him, look, I'm fixing to get out of here. And Elisha says, watch this. Ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. Elijah says, what do you want? You've been serving me this whole time. What do you want? And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he goes on and he says, well, you've asked a hard thing, but if you see me when I go, you got it. You know what? There are twice the recorded miracles of Elisha in the Bible than Elijah. And the last miracle of Elisha, watch this. This is going to be, this is going to bless somebody. The last recorded miracle of Elisha, he was dead and his bones were in a grave. And some people were burying their friend and some marauding invaders came by and they got scared, threw the body in the cave and took off. Well, when they threw the body in the cave, it touched, watch this, the bones of Elisha, boom, man came back to life. Can you imagine the look on his friends? They start to take off and all of a sudden Fred shows up. Hey man, what's going on? They probably had a heart attack and need to go on his bones too. Here's the revelation that God gave me from that this week. Are you ready? When you go all in with Jesus and say goodbye to your former life, watch this. God will still work miracles through your life long after you are dead. Let me say it another way. I want to say it just as God gave it as I was typing. Your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren or your family members and friends will get saved long after you're dead when you go all in. Because your prayers will cry out from the grave. Your prayers never go out. God keeps them as a vial. You may be in heaven and never see it on earth. But like Jim Dingus said, my mama's prayers were like heat-seeking missiles, and they just followed me until I got saved. Man, I come to preach to somebody and tell you, when you go all in for God, God will honor you. God will bless you. He'll touch your family. Don't misunderstand this message ain't a message about be committed to this church. No, this message is about be committed to God and go all in with him. Listen, if God's called you to another church, man, I bless you. But be committed to wherever and whatever he's called you to. All in. Here's the way God put it on me to do this. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says for us to present, to, to picture it this way, to bring our bodies, our lives, like a present to God and say, here I am. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I, I, I'm just going to ask anyone that wants to do that to do that. I would to God that you would come 
Walk yourself. Walk you as your, the present to God. <laughs> as if it's his birthday today. Say, here I am. I'm all in. Maybe just, I, I, I visualize just some people laying down on their face before God saying, I'm all in. I visualize others coming down and just kneeling down and saying, God, I'm all in. For those that can't kneel and, and those kind of things, physically you're not able to, maybe find a chair in the front row and just say, God, this is the best I can do, but here I am. Does anybody want to be all in today? <laughs>